It's Christmas, and unfortunately, I'm yet to take a break, and I'm making another review of AW Dynamite Holiday Bash. How was this show? Well, let's find out. The show started like two hours later than it usually does because of the NBA games, and the match that opened the show was Chris Jericho and MJF versus Stealth Lied. Unsurprisingly, one of the main talking points of this match was Chris Jericho, who started the match and was, um, let's just say he couldn't athletically match Top Flight, and from time to time it looked bad and sad whenever he couldn't do stuff properly, but overall I thought the match was really good, I liked the dynamic between two teams, even though for the majority of the match he was trying to ground Top Flight. But whenever they would find the momentum, they would fly through the sky, bring the pace to 100, and absolutely destroy their opponents, hitting some incredible maneuvers and doing it as smooth as possible. But sadly, it was never meant to be for the top fly, because at first, MJF and Jericho hit a beautiful combination of a shoulder block from MGF and a beautiful line sold from Jericho that kind of proves that he can still go. And then a couple minutes later, after interference from Jake Hager, MGF won the match. It was a good match, but man, how much potential is in those guys. Three years from now, they can be one of the most exciting teams on the whole planet. But the segment was not over yet, because then, Hager cut a promo saying that he doesn't like the fact that Warlow is missing second week in a row and that after talking to Tony Khan, he made the match official for the next week. So Warlow, you better show up. You know, I know it's not going to be a great match, but I really am excited. It's a long story that will have a conclusion for now and I cannot wait to see it. After this, we had Sting, who was interviewed by Tony Schiavone, where he said that one of the main reasons why he even joined AEW was Dusty Rhodes. He remembered the time when Dusty told him to put some color on his face and then put him in a match against the Nature Boy, Ric Flair. It was a lovely promo that truly made my heart warm, but one that was cut it off by Team Taz. They said that they are done with Sting sticking his nose into their business and they were about to attack him but Darby came out to save the day from the rafters to the ring. And Tess said that hey, we're the smart man and we will not attack the man with a baseball bat and a guy with a skateboard. Because in two weeks, Darby, you're gonna have to defend your title against the machine, Brian Cage. After this, we had a beautiful stare down between Sting and Darby Allen. I am really excited to see where this is gonna go because Darby will probably win his match against Brian Cage and Sting will probably save him from Team Taz and they can easily build up to a six-man tag match between Team Taz, Sting, Darby and Cody. But the beauty of the storyline is this is only one way of going with it, so I'm truly excited where AEW will go with the storyline. After this, we had a six-man tag between Jurassic Express and Dark Order Skull Cabana, number 5 and number 10. It was a fun match that had multiple styles of wrestling in it, 
Comedy wrestling between Cole Cabana and Marco Stun. High flying wrestling between Jungle Boy and Alan Angels. And of course, the deadliest hot tech in the business from Luchasaurus that made me realize how much I miss this guy on my TV. We had some great near falls, especially the one where Dark Order hit their combination of finishers, but Marco somehow kicked out and gave a hot tag to the Jungle Boy, who eventually won the match. After the match, Tony Schiavone was about to take an interview with Jurassic Express, but FTR and Tally Blanchard cut them off and said that in two weeks, they will face on the New Year's Smash. After this, we had a promo from Kenny Omega and Don Callis in the hotel, where they said that for the first time in their careers, they see such an awful management from EVPs of the company, allowing wrestlers practically book their own matches. But it doesn't matter because Kenny will beat Ray Phoenix. And quite possibly, he will not only beat him, but also will injure him. But it's fine, even if you're gonna get injured, Ray, there always will be an Impact Wrestling or, better yet, AAA to go to. This was quite possibly the best promo from Kenny Omega that I ever heard. Well, without a doubt, in AEW. Basically, it was a thing of beauty. After this, we had a match between Pac and The Butcher. It was a very hard-hitting, slow-paced match where obviously Butcher dominated the majority of it. And if I'm honest, there was really no big spots, just hard-hitting blows. And quite frankly, the best thing of this match was Eddie Kingston on commentary. He constantly argued with Shivani and Excalibur and always tried to be respectful towards JR. The match ended after Lance scared off Kingston from commentary and Pac nailed the Black Arrow. Then we had Miro with Kip finally announcing the date of the wedding. It was going to be 9th of February at the beach break. While they were announcing their date, Best Friends music hit and they were about to show up, but for some reason they didn't. Well, as I found out a little bit later, it was because Miro and Kip attacked Trent and sent him right to hospital. Well, in reality, it's all happening because Tren legitimately got injured and will miss at least months of action. Hope him speedy recovery and wish all the best for him. After this, Dustin Rhodes beat Evil Luna in a decent match, but once again, he won after Bulldog. Why? No, no, really, why? After 20 years, we're finally pushing Bulldog as a finisher? Well... Whatever. After the match, Una tried to recruit Dustin, but he flipped him off, and it all led to a massive bro between Uno and Grayson, QT, Dustin, and Lynn Johnson, who actually stood tall at the end. And, you know, as I said, this segment was fine. I don't really know where they're gonna go with this, but good moment for Lee. Hope we're gonna see more from him. Then we had a very surprising interview that probably was one of the best things on this show. Sean Spears demanded an interview with Tony Schiavone where he said that three letters can change for him, but not the glass ceiling. He's down with the Eevee pricks stopping him from being one of the best in the world, and he's seemingly done with Tally Blanchard 
and A.W. itself. After Shivani asked him that maybe the problem is in Spears, not in the company, he flipped him off and told him that, hey, I will come back whenever I feel like it. That was an incredible promo, and one that can give a very interesting story to Spears, finally, possibly even involving Impact Wrestling, or at least, I think that can go in this direction easily. After this, we had Hikaru Shida versus Alex Garcia, and before the match even started, Abaddon attacked Shida, which should have gave at least somewhat of an advantage to Alex, but no, 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 no. It was a dominant victory for Shida that happened in a very interesting style because during the match, Abaddon once again appeared at the ringside and Shida beat her up, then went back to the ring and beat Garcia. And after the match, Abaddon seemingly bite off a chunk of a flesh from Shida's neck? Or at least she bite at her real hard that the blood started pouring out of her neck and... I am not so sure about the segment because it was cool, but I think he should have go all in with the segment, made Hida. And after the match, Abaddon seemingly bites off a chunk of flesh out of Shida's neck. And, or at least she bites her real hard because the blood started pouring out of her neck. And I'm not so sure about the segment. It was a cool visual, but... I think in these situations you should go all in or not do the segment at all because you needed to make Shida sell like it was the hardest thing she ever took because she's literally dying because the piece of flesh is missing out of her neck and you should have made commentary sell this like the most fucked up thing they've ever seen on TV because she nearly killed a person. Is she a psychopath or is she a real zombie? Make them question this, not straight away go for a commercial break. Uh, as I said, they could have done the segment better, but it was still a cool visual, I guess, so it's fine. I guess it is. And in the main event, Yumbox beated their claim. In all honesty, I think it was the best match from their claim that we've seen to this day. Box were dominant for the majority of the match, but they allowed the acclaim to have their moment of brilliance. At one point, it actually looked like they're gonna be able to take the victory. After a ref bomb, the acclaim hit Nick Jackson right in the nuts and then hit him with a beatbox, but only for a count of two. At the end, Young Bucks were victorious after putting Bowens of the acclaim through the table and then hitting the BT trigger. As I said, probably the best performance from the acclaimed, and a good match overall. Well, that was it for tonight's Dynamite. I thought it was a solid show, but once again, it felt like a filler for the next two weeks of Dynamite. And I'm not saying that it's bad, I just, I just want to be a little bit more excited for Dynamite. And thankfully, next two weeks should be an absolute fire. Thank you guys for listening, it really, really means a lot to me. I hope you had a wonderful Christmas, and stay safe, and hear you soon.